0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy Jason, and we have some football to talk about today. DeAndre Hopkins has officially signed. Tony Pollard is not getting the contract that he wants. Josh Jacobs is not getting the contract that he wants. Saquon Barkley is not getting the contract that he wants. But Evan Ingram did. We will be talking about all those topics and more in today's episode. So why don't we sit back, relax, sip our coffee, and enjoy the show. Good morning, everyone that is joining me. So happy to see you in the chat, Harry Snowman. So happy to see you in the chat, Noobs World Order, and everyone else that has not hit the chat yet. Thank you for tuning in we're gonna start things off with the player that did get his contract and that is Evan Ingram we knew that today at 4 p.m was going to be the deadline for people on the franchise tag to go ahead and get their contract extended Evan Ingram was holding out as long as possible and finally signed a contract over the weekend. He is getting a three-year, $42.5 million contract with $25.5 million of that guaranteed. That is a massive contract for a guy that just had 766 yards and 73 catches in a breakout season with the Jaguars last season. He was fantastic in plenty of metrics. He led all tight ends in slot snaps. He had the fifth most targets among tight ends, seventh most deep targets. He was second in yards after catch, the fourth most receiving yards. You can look at some efficiency metrics as well and see that he was ninth in yards per route run, 10th in yards per team pass attempt. He was fifth in average cushions, showing some separation. And the fantasy points, The fantasy points were fantastic. Ninth in fantasy points per route run fifth in total fantasy points and man, Hopefully more is to come with Evan Ingram. We have been waiting on him to hit in the way that he did for so, so long, and he finally did. He's got the best quarterback of his career with Trevor Lawrence. Doug Peterson is leading the way as the coach. It is a fantastic offense to get a piece of. If you had Evan Ingram before this contract was officially signed, congratulations, you got him at a good value. There was still some question marks about what would happen with him, and I think that led to some trepidation to his ADP. I expect that to go back up a tiny bit, and I expect Evan Ingram to be a hot trade market commodity for the next week or so, uh, really just gearing up for the whole offseason just because that is going to be a fantastic person to get, especially as a tight end. He's going to get plenty of volume in this offense. It's probably going to be Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, and then Evan Ingram, and possibly Evan Ingram as the number number two. I'm a fan of him. And I'm sorry to all that I told to go get Brendan Strange. You know, in in uh, in preparation of what may come with Evan Ingram planning for the worst case scenario. It seems that Brendan Strange is going to take even longer to hit as this contract is three years. It is going to take some time. I don't know why the Jaguars even got Brendan Strange because they also ended up bringing in Doug Peterson's son to play tight end as well. Uh, just, I uh, you know, a weird draft pick. But hey, good for Evan Ingram. Fantastic for. Evan Ingram fantasy owners and hopefully just a fantastic year is ahead for Evan Ingram. Next up, we'll talk about we'll talk about DeAndre Hopkins. That is the main reason we're tuned in, right? DeAndre Hopkins finally signed with a team and it was the Tennessee Titans. Yesterday, he signed with the Titans. And it was a pretty, pretty decent contract for him. It's a two-year, $26 million deal, and it could go up to $32 million with incentives. In year one, he gets a base salary of $12 million and can take that up to $15 million with those incentives. Let's talk about this, though, because obviously the Patriots were a big contender. That is kind of what a lot of people were thinking. That's what I was hoping for. Per Jeremy Fowler on ESPN, they did say that the Patriots were in consistent contact with DeAndre Hopkins' camp, but that their financial package was just not quite near the ballpark of what the Titans offered. DeAndre Hopkins decided, I'm going to go for the money over the good vibes between the Patriots and him. Uh, which, you know, sucks. I do think that that would have been a little bit of a better landing spot for him, of course, but I don't think the Tennessee Titans is that bad of a landing spot for him either. This, of course, is going to be good for Ryan Tannehill or Will Levis, whoever ends up being the quarterback. I imagine it'll be Tannehill for as long as possible, but if he ever goes down, Levis will probably take over, of course. Uh, Derek Henry, I'm going to say gets a decent bump. I think that he was already a value. I think he's even more of a value now. When an offense gets better, so does the running back's fantasy football output. Derrick Henry should have more uh, important carries closer to the red zone. The offense being more efficient will lead to him just having better opportunity in general. So Derrick Henry is somebody that I'm taking a chance on until the wheels fall off. He is King Henry for a reason. I don't care about the age. Good value right now for sure. I'm going to say that Tyje Spears takes a slight hit as well, because Tajay Spears goes from being a decent handcuff with pass catching volume potential to now just at the most part, a decent handcuff. I don't think that there's going to be enough volume to go around for Tajay Spears after you divvy up the targets between DeAndre Hopkins, between Traylon Burks, between Chico Conquo, and you can't forget that Derek Henry catches some passes as well. So it's I'm not really too into Tajay Spears anymore, unfortunately. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's not like you've spent a ton of uh, value on Tajay Spears to begin with, and still, I mean, a handcuff to such an old running back and Derrick Henry is valuable, just slightly less valuable. So now, let's start with just. What can we expect from DeAndre Hopkins before we get into chick and Chaylon Burks? Because I know that's what you guys want to hear. And I have some takes on it. But first with DeAndre Hopkins, let's remember last year he was suspended and then came into the Cardinals later into the season and averaged 16.9 points per game, which is actually the ninth most in only his nine games played. He had 96 targets, which he took for 64 receptions and 717 yards. It was a really, really good year for him. And those that took the chance on him, uh, in redraft leagues while he was suspended. Um, on It paid off for them, especially towards the end of the year. And that's kind of one reason why I'm so high on the Jameson Williams of the world, why I'm taking the chances on Alvin Kamara, is, you know, Sometimes with the suspensions, you can get some value there and they'll come back and set off for you towards the end of the year. DeAndre Hopkins, though, I mean, despite also having a really good year, was also really, really efficient. He was number four in win rate, number two in win rate versus man specifically. He led the league in average cushion. He was second in air yard share on the Cardinals, fourth in target share, and of course the ninth in points per game that we already talked about. What's interesting is that is he actually only had the 15th most expected points per game. So he was outperforming expectations already at 30 years old. Now he's going into his 31 year season and I have to expect some efficiency still. Uh, The Titans last year only averaged 26.9 pass plays per game, which was 29th in the league. It could go up a tiny bit, right? I mean, when they're bringing in extra pass catchers, they probably do want to pass it a bit more. Part of the reason they didn't pass it a lot last year is Traylon Burks was hurt. Nick Westbrook-Akine was like the wide receiver one for a decent bit there. There was really no one to pass to in general. So I can't expect this passing volume to go up. I don't think it'll reach anywhere near the top half of the league. This will still be a very run-heavy offense. But remember, but remember... I love the Titans' efficiency in their passing game. The play-action offense is a really, really good offense, and it works really, really well for them. Uh, I think it was Ryan Tannehill averages four more yards per attempt when it's a play-action versus a regular pass, and that really does add up over the course of the season. He led quarterbacks in play-action pass attempts per game. And when you have a running back like Derrick Henry making the defense honest, you can't commit a lot to DeAndre Hopkins. You can't commit a lot to Chigo Conquo. You can't commit a lot to Trelon Burks. So, so I do believe all of the pass catching offense options in the Titans offense will be okay. DeAndre Hopkins, sure probably gonna have the most fantasy points but there's still an off chance that Traylon Burks isn't too far behind DeAndre Hopkins again when you have an efficient play action offense like the Titans it's not necessarily feed it to your wide receiver one DeAndre Hopkins it's give it to the open receiver based on the schemed play So I think that obviously sometimes it's going to be Traylon Burke. Sometimes it's going to be Chig. And sometimes it's going to be D-Hop. D-Hop opens up that offense in a very special way. He's going to take volume away. Yes. But the Titans offense is efficient. And efficiency leads to fantasy points regardless of how much volume is there. So. I think DeAndre Hopkins is worth his price tag right now. I think he'll be fine averaging somewhere around 14 to 16 points per game next season and probably getting even more touchdowns than he did last year. He only had three. I think that goes up as well as he will probably be the main red zone target. So let's move on to Trelon Burks. Trelon Burks, we'll see. I think both Chigo and Traylon Burks are players I am buying right now. I think a lot of people are very scared about this D-Hop signing. I'm not necessarily scared about it. I'm realistic about it. And yes, Ryan Tannehill's wide receiver twos have never had more than 92 targets in a year. So, and that was Corey Davis. I believe that had 92 targets. Yes. Thank you, Harry Snowman. That is the most a wide receiver two on this offense with Ryan Tannehill has ever gotten. Now, granted, the wide receiver, two has never really been as good as Traylon Burks either. So even at 92 targets, that's fine, right? That's 40 more targets than Traylon Burks had last year, and Traylon Burks already averaged 8.6 points per game with only 4.9 targets a game. I think that his targets could go up a decent bit as well from five to maybe six, and of course, that adds up over the year, and again, the efficiency is going to be there. Guys... It's simple. We liked Traylon Burks. We liked Chigo Quanquo because of their profile and a little bit because of the situation. Yes, we saw that there was tons of volume that was going to be fed to Chig and Traylon Burks, but also what really drove us to them is their profile. Traylon Burks, six foot two, two hundred twenty-four pounds, first-round pick, dominated in college with a ninety-third percentile college dominator, ninety-third percentile college target share. 86 percentile speed score and the dude wrestles hogs literally wrestles feral hogs and kills them <laughs> he's a dog and an animal on the football field he's going to be good and think of it like i'm not going to compare it to Devonte smith in terms of how how good he'll be i don't think he will be as good as Devonte smith but we have seen time and time again the wide receiver twos on offense can be fine for fantasy football T. Higgins in Cincinnati, Devontae Smith in Philadelphia, it happens. And so when DeAndre Hopkins is taking away the main cornerback, you're now putting Traylon Burks against cornerback twos again in a play action offense that doesn't necessarily lock on to the wide receiver one. If Traylon Burks is open, he will get that pass. And Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback at doing that. He can distribute the ball and spread it around perfectly well. So I'm buying Traylon Burks for sure. Now, Chico Quanquo. This one is a little bit scarier, I feel. Obviously, a much better profile, but I just, I don't know how much volume he's going to get. And it, again, it, Very efficient offense, and Chico Quanquo is very efficient. Last year in particular, he was second in target rate among tight ends, second in yards per target. He led all tight ends in yards per reception. He had the third best contested catch rate, the second best target premium. Quarterback did well with him as well, fourth in QB rating per target when throwing to him, and led all tight ends in fantasy points per route run. So, Chigo Cuanco is going to be efficient. I think my main concern with him is it's just going to be hard to predict and hard to decide when to start him. But again, the profile fantastic six foot two, 243 pounds, second year out of Maryland, 96 percentile 40 yard dash, 92nd percentile size adjusted speed score with a 58th percentile catch radius. We saw him scoring touchdowns last year. He had three of them, 450 yards off of 32 receptions averaging 14 yards per reception very very good year for him and I believe it'll be even better but he is kind of expensive and I and it's just I think at this tight end position there are probably cheaper options in my opinion that will probably produce about the same now in terms of dynasty Chig will probably continuously have a career trajectory where he's getting better and better and better. I think I'm just a little bit more risk averse when it comes to redraft leagues or even just the 2023 outlook in general. Now, if DeAndre Hopkins ever goes down, of course, which is highly likely given the age and given the rest of the wide receivers that have come to t- to the Titans this late into their career, Chico will be really, really good. So I will say overall, it's probably still worth it to buy Chico Quanquo as well. Definitely worth it to buy him in dynasty leagues, redraft leagues, probably worth it to draft him as well as he's probably now going a couple rounds later, falling out of a tier that he was in probably going to the top of the, like um well, I guess still probably the bottom of like the Njoku tier, maybe above like Dalton Schultz and stuff still too, but it's just hard to say how much volume he's going to get. It's more so how efficient can he be? And we have seen efficiency for him. So I don't mind trying to buy into him. I would just manage expectations. And if I do get Chigo Quanquo, I might also take a chance on another tight end late, like a Jelani Woods, like a Trey McBride, maybe lock myself onto a Gerald Everett, even just someone that I can turn to if I do start to get a little bit scared about starting Chigo Quanquo and not happy what I see with in the regular season. Uh, But again, a buy-in dynasty, probably worth the risk because of the profile and the efficiency. It's just fair to manage expectations for sure. A Noob's World Order points out Titans are where wide receivers go to die. And this is how I'll end the discussion on DeAndre Hopkins in Tennessee. That's true. We've seen it with Randy Moss, Julio Jones, others. I'm sure not remembering off the top of my head, uh, but it's just uh, wide receivers at the end of the career usually go to Tennessee and then don't honestly even do that much when they're there. So even though it is a two-year contract for DeAndre Hopkins, who knows what that actually turns into? Uh, both of these guys, Traylon Burks and Chico Cuonco, since they've taken a hit in their value, I would just go ahead and buy them and see what happens. So we've talked about Evan Ingram. We've talked about D-Hop. Let's go ahead and check in on the running backs that have signed or not signed their franchise tag. First off, just real quick, Tony Pollard did sign his franchise tag all the way a few months ago. What was, dis- what was being discussed with him is he was trying to get a contract extension. He did want more than the franchise tag, even though he did sign the franchise tag. It has come out since that it's not looking like he will get that contract. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN reports, Tony Pollard and the Cowboys are not expected to reach a deal by the deadline, and he will be playing on the $10.1 million contract slash franchise tag, and that's fine that's fine. That's more money than he's made over his entire career. And it works out too. I mean, given that he's coming off of an injury and he was hyper efficient, it makes sense for the Cowboys not to take that risk. And if he does play well again, then shoot, he can get another franchise tag and make another $10 million. It's a smart decision for Tony Pollard. It's a smart decision for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I will say this. I do think that at this point it, it's pretty likely that Ezekiel Elliott resigns with the Cowboys on a cheap deal to take the load off of Tony Pollard. I don't think the Cowboys are done. I, I think it does make sense for them to bring someone in. I don't think Malik Davis is really who they want to be their backup. I don't think Deuce Vaughn is really who they want to be their backup, although he would probably be fine. And they have that nepotism thing that we discussed after the draft. You know, His dad is one of their big scouts for them. Uh, so we can see how that develops, but I think overall the Cowboys will bring someone else to be the thunder to Tony Pollard's lightning, uh, and we'll just kind of see what happens out over the year. I hope that Tony Pollard can be good again, uh, again, hyper-efficient last year, um, and hopefully continues to do that, because then he'll probably get another franchise tag and continue to make millions of dollars, and that's what we love to see. That's what we love to see. Josh Jacobs, similarly, although not has not signed his franchise tag is also not expected to reach a deal with the Raiders. This was pro football talk and Vincent Bonsignor of the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, the feeling around the team is that the gap between the Raiders offer and the Jacobs-desire contract is too large to bridge by the deadline. If Josh Jacobs does not sign the contract or the tag, he can skip camp without any penalties because he's not technically under a contract and not technically a part of the team. No, he's not a free agent either. He's just kind of in limbo. And as we know, there were also reports that he would hold out if he doesn't get this extension. How true that is, it's hard to say, right? I mean, reports are going to be reports. And it's also likely that Josh Jacobs was saying that to use that as negotiation leverage, you know, just being like, all right, if you don't give me a contract, I won't even show up week one. I probably won't show up at all. You guys give me the money or I won't be there. So it's it's possible that it was just a negotiation tactic, but I definitely, when there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, I would be a little bit cautious about Josh Jacobs right now. Um, and as much, I mean, it sucks. Obviously he led the league in rushing yards last year, 1653. He was incredibly efficient, created the most yards among running backs, had the third most fantasy points per game, led running backs and opportunity share on his, just so good. Just so good last year. So you would like to see that happen again for the Raiders. I mean, with him, the Raiders offense is pretty decent. Jimmy Garoppolo can manage that offense very, very well. But if they don't sign him, if they don't figure this out, then look for Zamir White or someone else like a Leonard Fournette or Zeke if he doesn't sign with the Cowboys. Uh, Kareem Hunt, maybe to go to the Raiders. They I don't think that they would just roll with Zamir White as a bell cow. But I do think Zamir White would get plenty of opportunity. They drafted him last year in the fourth round, and he has a fantastic profile, 96 percentile, 40-yard dash, and size-adjusted speed score. He tore his ACL twice in college, so his college production wasn't necessarily fantastic. But over his last two years, he had over 700 rush yards and 11 touchdowns in back-to-back seasons that should be able to translate to the nfl that type of explosiveness with that speed in that offense should be okay Uh, but i do think that there will be someone else brought in to lighten the load if they can't figure out this josh jacobs situation um however i do think that josh jacobs will eventually play um but it's just good to hedge your bets right If, if you have josh jacobs make sure you have Samir white um and make sure you have a contingency plan otherwise uh because we've seen it like with Le'Veon Bell to where it's really not that pretty. If you continue to hold out as a running back next up, let's go ahead and wrap things up with Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley also has not signed his franchise tag and also has not worked out a contract pro football talk. Also reports that even though Saquon Barkley has brought in new agents to try to get this negotiation done, the team is not willing to start over, um, at all so it seems that a contract deal will not be coming for Saquon Barkley either and it's a matter of if he will sign that franchise tag I think if I'm Saquon Barkley I'm not signing that franchise tag you mean way too much to the New York Giants offense to let them do this to you so I'm I am on Saquon's side I think he deserves a contract he was offered a decent contract by the Giants he maybe should have accepted that but I am not upset at him at all for trying to avoid a one-year situation. He needs to lock down some money, and I hope that they give it to him by the end of this deadline, uh, or else it's not really going to be that pretty for him. We'll see, right? I think that the Saquon one is more likely to happen than the Josh Jacobs one, purely in my own opinion. Nothing to back that up at all. I just feel like, you know, as the time goes on, it gets closer and closer to 4 p.m. Eastern. Saquon is going to be like, okay, you know what? Maybe the extra $3 million, $4 million this year is better than playing on the franchise tag and risking it. Uh, because I believe it was 13 or 14 million offered to him over two or well, 26 million dollars or something like that over two years with 13, 13. It was it was a decent contract, more than what two franchise tags would be, more than what the franchise tag would be. And he denied it. He wanted a little bit more. Sometimes the greediness hurts you, Saquon, so we'll see. We'll see. Again, I believe that this one's a little bit more likely to happen just because A, he means a little bit more to the Giants offense, and B, Saquon deserves more than the franchise tag, plain and simple, and I think he knows that and doesn't want to play on that either. So, do we have any questions? I see the comments have blown up. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Uh, Let's see. Some people are, you know, saying that they're excited about Burks. They expect it to help him. I see, you know, just kind of a great discussion, guys. You know, thank you for being a great comment section. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Jamie asked for a thoughts on trade that was made. You you got Jackson Smith and Jigba and a 24 second for Christian Kirk and a 24 first. I'll take that. You know, you said also that your first would be a later first round pick, the, the 110 to the 112, and that second round pick should be mid. So basically you've traded. I'm, I like it. I like it. I don't even have to say basically you've traded it. I'm glad that you got Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm a little bit hesitant about trading Christian Kirk right now. I do think that he will be better than people are giving him credit for, but it is what it is. I do believe that Jackson Smith and Jigba is a world-class talent and will conti- and will be for the rest of his career. So I like going out to do that. Um, you know, basically just moving back a few spots in the round and trading Christian Kirk for JSN. Good move. Good move. Let's see. Any other questions in here? Do, 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 do. People sleeping on Ronald Jones. I'm I'm just not buying into Ronald Jones at all, at all. But I get it. I get it. I get it for sure. Of course that he's still possibly going to be volume and technically the backup, but we'll see. We'll see. What is the earliest spot you're t- comfortable taking Bijan in a one quarterback redraft league? Hot take: 103, right after Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Uh, I guess 104 after Kelsey too. Uh, but I am not against taking Bijan as the first running back off the board or before some quarterbacks. I do think that he will be at least a top three running back. I think he's an incredibly safe pick in the first round and a lot less risk averse than a Christian McCaffrey pick. Um, so I, I love Bijan Robinson where he's going right now, and I would love him even more if he was going higher. Um, Let's see. You traded two second rounders for Elijah Moore. Did I go too hard for him? I might say so. I might say so. I think that you can get similar value with second rounders like Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore could totally produce, but you can get wide receivers in the second round of rookie drafts pretty easily. So I don't know if I would send two for Elijah Moore, but I'm also not that big of an Elijah Moore guy. If you're an Elijah Moore guy, then this was probably a good move for you. Um, It's just, for me, I'm out. I don't like to buy into people who uh, the team that drafted him gave up on him very quickly and then is going to a team with a pretty murky situation. There's so many pass-catching options on that offense, and I do believe that Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and David Njoku will all out-target Elijah Moore. So probably a bit much to give up, but you know it could end up working out. We'll see what happens. Of course, you know trading future assets to go ahead and get yourself an asset now is usually worth it to some degree. Um I saw a comp between Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. What really is the difference? Trade while you can. Yeah, I mean, if you could trade Jonathan Taylor for J.K. Dobbins plus, that would probably be a good move. J.K. Dobbins, another running back that's incredibly efficient, um, and in a good offense as well. Uh, in fact, they're on similar offenses now with Anthony Richardson, the mobile quarterback, in Indianap or uh, yeah in Indianapolis, and J.K. Dobbins having Lamar Jackson as his quarterback. Um, it's I would say the Ravens offense is probably better than the Colts offense too. So you might actually end up getting more points from JK Dobbins and more opportunity. I am not too in on Jonathan Taylor this year. I'm a little bit worried about what kind of volume he's going to get. And then also just how efficient he can be. And then also just how efficient that offense as a whole can be. If the offense isn't good, then he's not really getting good opportunities, even if he is getting volume. So I am not against moving Jonathan Taylor at all. All right, guys. All right, guys. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope to see you all tomorrow on this very YouTube channel, 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. I hope you all have a fantastic Monday and rest of your week. This was Wake and Take. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.